The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In Sunday worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather upon this spring Sunday, 2020, where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country and beyond, we gather in virtual worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves, and when and as it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Today's service of worship includes the greeting and sermon, new this week, along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
May we pray. O God, whose Son, Jesus, is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the first epistle of Peter, chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. 
For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Glory to you, O Lord. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. To begin, our colleague, the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, I have asked to give us a few verses from Robert Frost. What now is inland shall be Ocean Isle, then eddies playing round a sunken reef, like the curl at the corner of a smile, and I could share time's lack of joy or grief at such a planetary change of style. I could give all to time except, except what I myself have held. But why declare the things forbidden that while the custom slept, I have crossed to safety with? For I am there and what I would not part with, I have kept. Last Sunday, April 26th, given the new and different schedule of Sunday during the pandemic, I happened to tune into a television show, one new to me. Before, of course, tuning in to WBUR for virtual worship, of course. Well, all Sunday morning TV is pretty much new to me, at least any such from the last 40-some years or so. I pedaled along on my little stationary bike, sipped a coffee, and listened. A familiar person. It took me a while to settle upon the memory of her name, not Katie Couric, not Meredith Vieira. With grace and a happy smile gave an overview of what the program would include. Her name, ah yes, Jane Pauley. She proposed to tell us about Julie Andrews, now, most people of a certain age, and in fact, many of any age, can begin singing just at the introduction of her name. Doa Deer, Edelweiss, Chim Chimini, my favorite things. It was all very satisfactory, along with lazy exercise and coffee, and a kind of mental freedom somewhat or entirely new to me come Sunday. In fact, it made you wonder how people leave this sort of thing behind and get going out the door to church at all. Julie Andrews, she of unmatchable voice, 
a four-octave voice, as the music teacher in our home recalled. She lost her voice a few years ago in a medical operation. Did you know that? She lost her voice, such a voice to lose. Something pierced the heart in a corona-swept country to be reminded amid our own immediate loss of such a vocal loss. Now something happened. In a whirl, a great whoosh, there appeared a combination of modes and media in the televised telling of this tale. You had the guide speaking, the aforementioned Ms. Pauley. You had the grace and voice of the British star, Julie Andrews. You had clips of scenes and songs from long ago, spliced and splashed into the moment. You had soon enough the appearance of Ms. Andrews' talented daughter, an author of children's books. You had footage of Ms. Andrews as a child in London during World War II. Hmm. You then had mother and daughter across the miles from Long Island to Southern California, or as we like to call that area from our snow perch here in Boston, heaven. They agreed that Ms. Andrews had found another sort of voice in the work with her daughter on children's books. It was the mixture of media to which we are a bit more attuned here, now on Sunday, now last Sunday, and now this Sunday, that mesmerized, for a moment at least, splicing the old, the new, the voice, the music, an empty home, really a kind of empty church. All you needed was a sermon, and it came. The guide, the aforementioned Ms. Pauley, asked the daughter, what did your mother teach you that stands out in memory? Now that is a daunting question to answer in front of God and the whole television world, but she did neither falter nor quail at all. She said, my mother taught me, when in doubt, stand still. When in doubt, stop, stand still. Now that is, in some fashion, what happens for us on Sunday morning. We come to church, or in this remarkable season, virtual worship, dressed in our doubts, and we are asked for just an hour, just an hour, to stand still, to bring our doubts to the full emptiness of a silent church, to bring our doubts to the fullness, the fullness of an empty church. Ah, an empty church. An empty church has a strange, potent power to touch our hearts. One church organist confessed that after practicing for a while alone in the nave, he would sit still and let the power of the place fill me. A woman told of entering an empty church after, by phone, she learned that her father had suffered a stroke. The power of the place filled me. One young husband went late into a large old church when his wife went under the surgeon's knife I let the power of that place help me, he said of the empty nave. Even a boy and girl in youth group once groped into a dark sanctuary to talk and touch and taste a tender moment of grace and love. The place empty was full. A bishop adrift in a sea of paper prayed in a fully empty big sanctuary. It was powerful to be there. An empty church has a strange, potent power to touch our hearts, so Emerson. I love the silent church before any speaking.
Augustine and Hippo there awaited the vandals. St. Aquinas there realized what he had written, a life work was so much straw. Thomas More there prayed before his death. Luther, Calvin, and Wesley there awaited Christ. Oscar Romero there died in the, in the prayer of humble access. Though he had no elements, alone each morning, Terry Waite in prison for four years had communion, communion by imagination in all the great British cathedrals. Monday in Salisbury, Tuesday in Durham, Wednesday at Coventry, and so. With you, I try to read the news and listen to the events of the day. As you do, I try to overhear behind the immediate din of sounds and bites something of the heart of people and of our people. This spring, sometimes, I overhear a pained and painful sense of doubt about the possibilities in life, a doubt that things can change very much, a doubt that anything new could ever emerge, a doubt that people can repent and turn around, a doubt that systems so entrenched and contentious can ever be made orderly, a doubt that any of the older differences among us can ever be bridged, a doubt that any common expression of faith can be trusted, a doubt that any common faith or common ground or common hope can ever with authenticity emerge and survive, a doubt in which the radical postmodern apotheosis of difference has silenced the liberal late modern openness to shared experience, to promise and future, to common faith, ground, and hope. A doubt that minimizing one's own visibility or audibility for the sake of something bigger and for the sake of someone else could ever be faithful or reasonable. A doubt that the general public could be trusted to shoulder significant sacrifice. A doubt that anything I or you do would ever make a difference. A doubt that this virus will ever let us go. You could call it a viral doubt. When this cloud of doubt gets so thick that it, that it eclipses both the sun and the moon, it is time to hear again the gospel. When in doubt, stop. When in doubt, stand still. John 10 today shows us the fullness of emptiness, presence in absence. John has always more than one opponent or contestant. He is always fighting on two fronts. So much for tradition, so much for culture, so much for depth, so much for breadth, so much for Hebrew, so much for Greek, so much for church and so much for community, so much for memory, so much for experience. John contrasts the freedom of Christ with fragile formulaic faith. Things do not always fit into little boxes. The winds of change, the reaches of pandemic say, rearrange every manner of dwelling. The Gospel of John, more than any other ancient Christian writing, and in odd contrast to its prevalent misunderstanding abroad today, knew the necessity of nimble engagement of current experience and the saving capacity to change in the face of new circumstances. The community of this gospel could do so because they had experienced the shepherd present here, here and now. In distress, we hold on to divine presence. We hold on to the shepherd, hic et nunc, here and now. 
speaking and hearing, they found that in the speaking of the shepherd, here he is, or he is here, or I am. That is all still we have. The voice, utterance, I am. The here is in the hearing. Can you hear that? It begs to be heard here. Said the shepherd, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Others over time have heard the same. At this time of year, I often think of Churchill and Wesley. These two Englishmen have something for us in any springtime and perhaps most especially this Corona springtime. Think of England in May 1940. Think of London in May 1738. At the right moment in May of 1940, Winston Churchill faced down the more polished, better healed, more popular, and more experienced old Britons of his newly formed war cabinet and steadily led his country away from their desire to compromise with Adolf Hitler. With Belgium defeated, Churchill clung to a love of freedom. With France cut in two, Churchill clung to a love of freedom. With 400,000 men stranded at Dunkirk and escape virtually impossible, Churchill clung to a love of freedom. With the whole German Air Force poised to incinerate England's green and pleasant land, Churchill clung to a love of freedom. With Lord Halifax ready to seek terms and Lord Chamberlain ready to let him, Churchill clung to a love of freedom. Reread this summer John Lukacs' great book, Five Days in London, May 1940. He concludes, Churchill and Britain could not have won the Second World War. In the end, America and Russia did. But in May 1940, Churchill alone was the one who did not lose it. Easter faith is about love of freedom. In his presence, in the presence of the shepherd, we find the courage for our own ascent. In the same London at midlife, many years earlier, one enchanting night in May of 1738, John Wesley heard something said in church that warmed his heart for good. He had been on Aldersgate Street that Sunday evening, going to chapel service more from duty than from passion, when he heard a preacher read Romans 8 and also Martin Luther's commentary on that passage. There is something so fragrant and so full about damp London in the springtime. As he left church, Wesley felt something new, a freeing love in the heart, which is the creation and work of the Holy Spirit, which blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it. Easter faith is about freeing love, not just love of freedom, but freeing love. In his presence, we find the courage for our own ascent. There are for sure a lot of things wrong near and far, but there are also, and more surely still, a lot of things right. Hear the good news. You are witnesses of the goodness of God, witnesses who come from a long line of people who joyfully bless and routinely give great thanks. Said Leander Keck, Faith is an event expressing the conviction that the things not yet seen are more real than those that can be seen. 
as you, as I, as we together walk toward our last adventure, our mortality, our own look over Jordan. It is this freeing love which carries us. The Gospel of John chapter 10 is an altar call for you and me. Come Sunday, I propose that we come to an imagined communion, as did Terry Waite, imprisoned four years, ready to accept the gift of faith, to give affirmation in the hour of the divine presence, to hold in faith the voice of the shepherd, saying, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So come to experience freeing love. So come to receive a love of freedom. So come to give thanks for the freedom to love. Such is the gift of the gospel upon this Lord's day. So come on a feast day of the Lord's, ready and willing, joyful and happy, to ascend to a new life of faith, hope, and love. For wherever two or three are gathered, there I am with you. There is a fullness to an empty church right here and just now. I don't see you listening from afar. I don't hear you listening from afar. I don't touch or taste or sense you present listening from afar. But I know you are out there listening and praying and worshiping, but I can't see you. That is something like faith, faith in God, is it not? That is something like faith, faith in God, faith in love, faith in meaning. I don't see it or hear it or measure it or touch it or scent it, but I know it's there. So alongside you, touched by the fullness of an empty church, I may just be able to go forward day by day, as of old the apostles did too. To conclude, our colleague, the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, I've asked to give us our lectionary verses from Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So the shepherd, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen.
before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. 
Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.